Live. We're not really live anymore. From BlackRock's gold-plated ESG walk-in closet, it's the ESG industry's only weekly woke data broad podcast featuring BS man Matt Muscardi and special guest star Douglas Cha. Or Doug, Yay! Doug, Doug Cha. Why am I Doug. calling him Douglas? Douglas, that sounds Doug official. Fine. President of Soundboard Governance uh, joining us for today's show. In today's eggy, spicy grape called March 15th, 2023, more <laughs> bank failure talk, specifically the anti-ESG, anti-woke perspective and an ongoing board saber matrix, sa uh, I can't talk today, board saber matrix Jeez. risk assessment. I know. You threw me, Matt. <laughs> you, your, your production failure threw me. As if it's me. I hit record and Riverside died. The company we use, and I love Riverside, but you also fail. love this. Big our fail. our show today is being sponsored by S Gage, your ESG yeah, data like solutions like provider. You know, you can't. I like that. Don't talk over my sponsorships, sorry. Okay. No, I don't care. I was just saying I like it. Welcome, Doug. Yeah, Thank Doug. Thanks for having Doug me. Doug from Jersey. What are we doing? That Damien? was some uplifting banter right there. <laughs> you want to just get into it? <laughs> yeah, I want to. I was do hoping it. you two would talk to each other a little bit. Yeah, let's get right into it. Come on. All right. No, I'm thrown off by the production fail. Right. Like, like we were live for like uh, thirty <clears throat> seconds. You know what? And, you know what? What happened? They were like all focused on like DEI oh, or some crap. Oh, like yeah, that. that's, they, that's my thought. The ball and they couldn't. They couldn't get their operations right. That's in, right. Like, equity training or something. That's like the that. perfect segue for our first segment. Let's do it. I'm calling this the crying woke list. Okay, we're talking oh. about. We had some fun bank failures over the last week. Uh, S Fun. SVB Financial Group, otherwise known as the Silicon Valley Bank. We had Signature Bank. That's Barney Frank's bank. And it's not Barney Frank's bank. And, He's one guy on the board. Uh, Silvergate Capital. All three. I'll tell you. He's, uh, Barney Frank's influence was like seven percent. I like I Barney like, Frank. I just say that because I'm from New England. I mean, it's just so poetic. I guess that it's like full circle. You know, yeah. in terms of the Dodd Frank bill was supposed to do this, that, and the other thing. Banks start failing, and oh, he's on the board! Oh my <laughs> oh, god! Well, oh, zing! Like, yeah, it's the thing. To be yeah, fair, I to, get it. To be fair to Barney Frank, once he stepped down as a politician and became a director on a bank, he actually has been lobbying to roll back the very regulations that he put in place as a politician. Yeah, I, I mean, who better to do that? Right. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, here we go. The crying woke list. I, I have I have uh, accumulated all the, the the various terrible perspectives on this collapse, and and you two are gonna chime in as you see fit. All right, you ready for this? Yeah, this is this is basically a depressing yeah, list. Yeah, of course. Every show we do is depressing, in no particular order. Let's start with Home Depot co-founder Bernie Marcus. Okay. First of all, he comes out with a very pithy quote saying. This is the biggest failure since 2008. Is that oh, is that analysis? It. Oh, <laughs> nailed it! That's in deep insight. He said I, they, I think that that seems to be a consensus out there. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for that, Bernie. Uh, yeah. He also said they were too busy being woke, playing the woke game. What is oh. the what is the woke game? By the way, are we playing it right now? 
do you need? I don't know. Is it a, is it board, a board game? game? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, no. the same uh, thing. That's boring. Is it a board game or is it something that would come out from like Activision Blizzard? Oh no, actually not not them. <laughs> Definitely not them. Electronic Arts, maybe. And um, he, he gets right to the point with this quote: "Not hiring the brightest people, but hiring people based on what they look like." Right to the oh, point. Oh wow! I like this. wow. Not holding, not pulling any punches with that. I mean, imagine not being a white person now at Silicon Valley Bank and you actually have pundits saying that you got hired, you're stupider and you got hired because you're not a white person. That's got to feel good. I I mean, this goes back. This is like such a trope from like the 80s, Mm -hmm. though. You know, this is such a throwback. I'm just like, (laughs) you know, people used to say this out loud. Mm And it was kind of like, you know, when racism was kind of like just, okay, it was acceptable. It was part of, you know, co- common dialogue. And I'm just like, I thought that was dead. And now it's like, they're not even being subtle about it. They're just saying like, oh, you know, yeah, they hired a bunch of, uh, you know, blacks, gays, and women. I was going to say, don't forget and women. look what happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, and we have death. some, and we have some data about that later on, don't we, Matt? We actually have the actual data about the SVB yeah, woke I mean, hires. If you want to get into it, yeah, get into it. All right. Well, like, like, okay. So the percentage, if we just start at the board level, mm-hmm. where they actually you see generally now at like large cap companies, um, the highest percentage of non-white people and women are on the board. They're gen- generally not in management. They're generally not in like even like middle management. It's just mostly board level diversity we're talking about. Yeah. And Silicon Valley Bank had approximately 8% of its board were people of color, and by 8% I mean one guy. There was one black guy on the board. Yeah. He had approximately 7% of the board influence. So I don't really know what we're talking about when we're talking about being driven by DEI, unless he's counting women, in which case 42% of the board were women, and they had less influence than they had body count. They had about 35% of the influence of the board. Yeah, We're talking about a board that's driven almost into majority by white males. And that's the most diverse cohort at Silicon Valley yeah. Bank, the board. I don't know if this came from, does it come from the fact that it's based in California? Or does it, or does it just come from the fact that like every company on in the universe, they have a diversity, equity, and inclusion policy? Is that where it comes from? I, I'm mean? not sure. Yeah, I, I mean, well, every company someone does looked, that. Some, yeah, I'm saying someone went to their website and noticed the word diversity, and that was it. That was enough to call them woke? Because I don't, there's no... Oh, so so it, the... Andy Kessler, who's the guy who wrote this disgusting Wall Street Journal mm-hmm. op-ed, he, I saw what he went to. He went to one page yeah. of the proxy statement where there's one chart Which all companies among have. like four, three or four yeah. that shows like, okay, there's one black, one LGBTQ plus, and two vets. Yeah. And he points that out and draws kind of a straight line, or he does the tar- no Tucker Carlson saying, I, I, "I'm not, I'm not actually drawing a straight line. I'm just asking the question. I'm just asking yeah. the question. <laughs> maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. Here's, here's, you know, it's it's for you to judge. Here's the quote you know, from Andy and, Kessler. He said, "I'm not saying twelve twelve white men would have avoided this mess, 
But oh. but the company may have been distracted by diversity demands. He comes right out and says it too. Yeah, and, and so it's like, okay, people are like, well, you know, they're saying maybe in fairness, the 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 time people are spending on DEI, maybe it's been a distraction. They took it took their eye off the ball or whatever. But it's like, okay, but why do you rush immediately to that? You know, I mean, management is doing many things at the same time. DEI happens to be one of them, but you know, why do you immediately point to that and say, you know, maybe that's like one of the big causes. It's like, okay, you're clearly insinuating something here and other guys aren't even insinuating. They're just flat out yeah. saying. Well, I got two issues with that. First of all, it, it, it might be a management initiative, but do you actually think management is actually spending any time on those programs or they're having people beneath them creating those programs? I mean, they also give to like the local YMCA, Right, like, uh, do you think they spend more time on diversity than they do giving to the YMCA? Yeah, yeah, and so it's like they should be focused on maximizing profits. It's like they do a lot of things right. that don't necessarily maximize profits. Like, yeah, like charity, like, you know, whatever. Like saying good company, morning to your coworkers. Company picnics and softball games yeah. and that kind of stuff. And it's like, hey, that stuff is, that, there's value there. If you really want to maximize profits, you would cut all those costs, right? But then their company would be kind of, yeah, a horrible place to work. I think they're wasting time on their 30-minute lunch break. I think that's where they're wasting their time. It's too much lunch. I, I, also, we know we know that, like, it's not the, their management team. I talked about the board. Their management team was not diverse either. Yeah, I was going to say, for those of us who spend our time yeah, in I this data set, this is one of the most ma white male companies that we've seen, right? It's an I, outlier for a lack of diversity at the top. I mean, he says, like Kessler's quote is great because it says so 12 white men, right? Well, yeah. there were 12 named executive officers on the website, and um, there's a few in the proxy, right? Of the the website ones where you have twelve named people, one, one was a Hispanic man, yeah. and three were women. Mm -hmm. The chief risk officer, who's a woman, joined ten seconds ago. Mm -hmm. She's been there yeah, for yeah, so the, two the months. Chief, there's a lot being a lot of hay being made about the fact that they did not have a chief risk officer for like an entire year. I don't think that means that the department just didn't function. They must have had somebody in that position or acting or whatever. Um, apparently the risk committee met a lot during that period. Yeah, right. So, okay, there, there was an issue there. The board had to step in. It's fair to look at the risk committee and say, okay, what, what the heck was up with them? What was the oversight? Um, but, you know, then you've got kind of my friend, Professor Steve, Stephen Bainbridge on Twitter, who, you know, I, you might not agree with his work, but I think it's respected. Um, you know, he's saying that, they didn't have a chief risk officer, but they did have a head of ESG. Right. They did have a chief DEI officer. And I'll, I'm like, come on, one has nothing to do with the other. You know that. I mean, what are we like, again, what are you insinuating? So let me, <laughs> let me take you to one of the problems going around the internet is this lack of reading, reading or comprehension, I'll call it, is that they focus on this woman from the UK. Her name is Jay. Ursepa. Ur she is the head of financial risk at SVB 
UK, which is not part of this at all. <laughs> but she had some, uh, she was involved with LGBTQ issues. She's a woman of color. She's a lesbian. She's involved with some of these issues. And that's, I think, where the ball got started rolling on this, is that a, a lot of the anti-woke, anti-issue crowd focused on her as being the head of risk at SVB Financial Group. But yes, that's right, Matt. They were completely wrong. And I think this is where the ball uh, got rolling with her. I don't, I just, I'm sorry. I don't yeah. understand how a group of 12 individuals, one of whom is non-white in management, can be considered driving diversity. We made fun of the fact that the people who were sponsors of, like they labeled them, it was a, the CFO was named, the white male CFO was named the sponsor of black people. Mm-hmm. And the white male tre- chief credit officer was named the sponsor of women. Like, uh, wh- what are we talking about here? Yeah, there's they no were wokeness all at this, at this white. And they, the funniest part is they made the women the head of human resources, which is as jokey a token position as they could think, and the head of marketing. And they made the head of ESG the head of marketing, right? Like, so she doesn't have it in her title. It's head of marketing. What are we talking about? I mean, it's, this is, I mean, again, so some people are saying, hey, look, uh, financial crisis, 2007, eight, those were all white guys who, you Mm -hmm. know, tanked the world economy. What about that? Like you didn't have minorities and women in charge there, uh, you know, so, so there goes your theory. The other thing is like, look, there are a ton of banks that aren't failing. That have plenty of men, I mean women and minorities in high positions or on the board. And so you would just want to pick on this one, this one outlier essentially, and say, Oh, okay, it's all because of DEI. Well it's what like, no. Yeah, what and they every company has DEI. So how come every company's not going down? Well what 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 they won't do, Doug, is they won't show their methodologies, they won't define woke, they they won't come up with this list of other banks that are high risk because of wokeism, because it doesn't exist, right? Because I, yeah. I that would be the next step. Since they're kind of already talking like ESG analysts, maybe you know, there should be a a list of criteria that they're using to identify woke corporations because as Matt and I know well, this company actually is pretty far away from what anyone would consider to be ESG friendly, woke friendly, whatever it is, like women loving yeah. black. Lo- I don't know what we're talking about here, but whatever that definition is, this is not the company to focus on. Well, I mean, that's the that that's why I think they, you know, they have their narrative and they just plug the bank in. Whether you know, it's kind of like they are just trying to push a certain story and they don't care about the facts. So SVB is an easy one to kind of paint as woke because it's California, right? you know, it's tech and all that stuff. But like, since when is tech woke? (laughs) The Silicon Valley is filled with, you know, a bunch of young guys Mm -hmm. doing these startups with their dual class stock and all that kind of stuff. And, and even uh, worse is tech funding, right, Matt? You had a, what was your, your data about, it was like 8% of tech funding goes to female oh, founders. No, no, no. Yeah. no, 8% of venture capitalists mm-hmm. are women, like okay. people leading venture capital funds or partners of venture capital funds. 2%, 2%. of startup funding mm-hmm. goes to female-led startups. 2%. What are we talking about? Yeah. And, and just for the record, Bernie Marcus, 
I'm on your Home Depot diversity and inclusion page right now. Is it a, in pic- which you're is it touting a big picture fact. of a drill saw? Uh, it, no, it, it's a, it, they're touting the fact that they were listed as best employers for diversity in 2021. And yeah. th- this is uh, an, uh, Alan Kessler, Wall Street Journal, owned by the, the Murdochs, Fox Corporation. I'm looking at your diversity page right now. If diversity is such a problem, your company's should be dead also. You're spending way too much time yeah. on or, it. Or they should be fired and replaced with a woman or a minority, right? right. I mean, t- I, take down your all your diversity stuff. Take it all down if it's such a problem. My guess is you won't because you know that it's not actually a problem and you spend no time on That's it. That's company resources to take it down though, Matt. I'm, I, so my question is, is this the moment that this anti-woke, anti-ESG movement sort of jumps the shark a little bit? Because this is a step no. too far. No, you, you think this is gonna be here at I, least through the election. I, I think this is purely an election issue. Right. Um, you know, I, I separate the argument on the investing and corporate practices side with the Washington side of things. Mm-hmm. So look, there's a legitimate debate about ESG being like, you know, totally whatever the hell you want it to be. It does add value. It doesn't add value. Is it a, is it alpha? Is it beta? Right. You know, uh, so that, look, those are legitimate arguments, but on the political side, and, and those are arguments about creating value on the political side. We all know what motivates these guys right. getting elected. That's it. Mm-hmm. They don't care about financial returns. Uh, I mean, they, I, they just don't. And so so I think that next however many, you know, year and a half, we're just going to – people are going to pile on this. because this resonates, mm-hmm. you know. Ugh. Jeff Sonnenfeld, I think, put it best. He said, uh, quote, to try to weave woke into this is delusional. I think that about says it all to me. Because this, because because we're now we're now in la la land, right? Of like theories. I mean, this is pure yeah. delusion. I yeah, mean, but it's just so insidious that they go straight to this. You know, I, I mean, totally reminds me of things in the past. Let's blame immigrants. You know, mm-hmm. Let, let's. It's all this kind of racist slash xenophobic. Some of it's veiled others it's just not veiled at all and that's what scares me is that look if it were veiled that would be more consistent with (laughs) the age we live in the fact that it's not veiled it's just like okay what what are we doing now we're just going back to the 1950s yeah um just just so i don't leave him out ron desantis uh potential uh presidential candidate ron desantis said Diversity and inclusion standards are why big banks are now increasingly incompetent. <laughs> yeah, I, Aww, Tucker funny. Tucker Carlson had a, yeah. a similar line. Right. Very, very close to that. Um, well, it's easy to solve. I don't know who know borrowed from whom, but it's like, look, Ron, Ron DeSantis. I mean, he's got a military background, right? He was in the Navy. Is that right? I think, yeah, he's got a military. Does Harvard background. have a Navy? I didn't know that. <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, to the, the yeah to, to patrol the the Charles River, uh, <laughs> Charles. the regatta Navy from MIT coming after them, <laughs> um, or BU. But uh, the I think they're more afraid of BU. Yeah, but it's like, look, the military is incredibly diverse. Yeah, right. You know? Of course, and 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 they're they're better for it. Right. You know? <laughs> and so, right. I, I, I don't. Uh, yeah. Okay. 
I want to get your reaction to this one. There was an article in Bloomberg, was it, Matt? Bloomberg. SVB exposes lazy ESG funds as hundreds bet on doomed bank. They're calling this another market meltdown and another costly lesson for ESG. I don't know if you saw this article, Doug. No. I know you did, Matt. Uh, I did. Here's the overall assessment. They're saying there are a lot of lazy asset managers taking ESG scores for granted. The point being here that uh, ESG seems to have whiffed on uh, assessing high risk at a place like SVB, right? Is that the point, Matt? I don't even know what the point is. Yeah, that ESG is supposed to be the great fortune teller to the world, right? It's supposed to predict the day you're going to die, it's supposed to predict... Uh, how many times your dog is going to lick you and which banks will collapse on uh, when? Well, right? also, I guess it's seen as like, or people are trying to characterize it as like, okay, ESG, if it's the ultimate like insulator from all the world's problems, then it should have foreseen this. It should have foreseen the Ukraine war. All of this kind of right. stuff. Yeah, like, the no, Ukraine no war, one yeah. is saying that ESG will save all of us. Mm -hmm. It's a long-term investing strategy, just like many. And the others didn't save us either, you know? Like, um, I, I, I took a screenshot of last month, one month ago, mm -hmm. sell-side analysts, Wall Street analysts, not ESG, not whatever, Wall Street analysts yeah. had SVB as a buy. They, that sure. was the consensus analyst take on SVB. And I took a screenshot of the consensus take and I sent it to the authors of the article and said, really, ESG missed? Or did everyone miss? Everyone okay. missed because interest rates crushed the bank and tech bros talked to each other. And when you, honestly, the case and the for- deregulation. And like, but the case for diversity in this case is arguably stronger because this is one demographic- white male tech bros, usually right. either founders or venture capitalists, largely from one place in and around Silicon Valley who largely know each other, banking with white people in one place. If you were to make an argument that like, if they had been a little bit more diverse yeah. as a deposit True. base, yeah. you might not have had a run on the bank because they're not all yeah. calling each other, being like, take out your money immediately. Yeah, they're concentrated in one industry that is kind of very tenuous. Um, and I guess what, one of the other banks was very kind of crypto heavy in terms of yes. their clientele. Both Silvergate but, and Signature were crypto heavy. Yeah. And so, but the other thing is like, back to this, like SVB is woke, the most woke bank ever. <laughs> Yeah. If so, then, then why why did Peter Thiel have his money at SVB? Great question. Yeah, Mister, that's a good question. You know, the, the what do you say, ESG equals CCP, Chinese Communist right. Party. It's just like, okay, if this was so widely known, mm -hmm. why didn't he pull out of that bank and go to whatever, the banking division of Strive Asset Management or whatever? I, I don't know. Shouldn't they um, all be at Bank of America because it's America in the name? It should just be I like Bank. It, Matt. I like, like it. That's, that that's really it SG be? analysis. Well, like that's analysis that, for you. Yeah, yeah. That. What about that? That what was a bank that tried to be kind of like the right wing bank? Oh yeah, it failed already. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, that one failed but, but, immediately. Uh, the, best, the best thing was that they wanted to make the credit cards out of like gunmetal. 
Ooh. And people, yeah. but then people couldn't get on their their like flights because <laughs> they were going through the metal detector. Wallets would go through the metal detector, and they were I like, like guns. Yeah, that's, that's like, that correct. is awesome. That and I they love it. They couldn't fit it in the the slot for the, like the the machines to like read the credit. They had all sorts of problems with the credit cards. They that, couldn't that get them done. Awesome. I love that it. was great. Uh, before I, one of those credit cards. Before I segue into <laughs> to you, Matt, for some of your data, because uh, we actually do put the G into ESG. Because so what? One of the things the article was lamenting was the fact that there's not enough G in ESG and. That's really what we do here. We do a hell of a yeah. lot of G, don't we, Matt? Yeah, we do. And there's plenty of G. The number of times I got told by a portfolio manager yeah. that G, they already did. Like they knew the management teams and they had like their, they already knew, they knew it better they than us. They did G from whatever. 1999 very well, but not, maybe not for 2023. I mean, I just, I, I'm, I'm so tired of the media narrative that ESG is supposed to solve all your problems and or anything it's all about well, data and how you use it. I will also, stop it. I, I think, you know, I, I keep saying to people in terms of this ESG being, you know, whatever you want it to be, everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, it, you know, you can't, the, this mashup concept of ESG is very problematic because mm -hmm. now you get into the, you know, so it's like, okay, yeah, if it's, if a, if a an analyst is looking at G, that means they're looking at ESG, which oh, means ooh. it's all green and woke and right. all that kind oh, of stuff. Oh no! And, and so yeah. it's like, look, you've got to separate this stuff out. I mean, I I think these the part the reason that the this argument re, that ESG equals woke resonates with kind of the average person is that it's like a it's a simpleton concept mm -hmm. you know you don't you know if you did some further analysis you would understand that look this is more complicated and nuanced than you realize but complication and nuance is just like forget it you yeah. know that's well we're not you know we're not going to explain that in our stump speech no and that's how george w bush sold the iraq war was it was good versus evil right i mean it's it's yeah. sometimes you have to rely on that crutch okay so before I hand off to you, Matt, uh, well, I, I do want to say one thing though. I I do want to attack the ESG industry a little bit just for fun. Is that I yeah. I actually do think that one of the areas that it doesn't quite understand is the banking industry. I that ESG in its How fervor. I built the ESG. No, but listen, in its in its rating. fervor to you scale to the world, right? In its fervor to sell to everything it could think of. I think it lost a lot of the, the nuance, right? And I think that one of the things I think it fails to understand is the risk at banks. I also think it completely botches controlled companies, you know, these these fake public companies that we, we call. And I also think this idea of comparing companies in the United States with companies in, in Australia and India and China is absolute nonsense. Like I to have a global ESG view is nonsense. And I so I, I will agree on that. I don't think they get everything right necessarily, but look, no, I look, would say, I, yeah, go ahead, Doug. I have a lot of problems with ESG. I have a lot of crisis. You know, the, the, the whole thing is messy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a free for all. Um, the promising there too are a much. lot of flaws. I mean, we, you know, much has been said about the flaws of all these rating agencies and advisors and the kind of industry that's developed around it. So ESG is by no means perfect. You've got guys like Bob Eccles who wants to move away from the term ESG. They just hate, they cringe when they hear it. 
Um, so, so yeah, so I think that uh, th there is a lot, yeah, there, there's a lot, there are a lot of gaps and holes that ESG is just not able to deal with yet. Yet. Or, or, or maybe they're not trying. And, and it's funny, we've entered a new, a new phase of the history, too, because, Matt, when we started this company and this show, we spent a lot of time trying to articulate our, our criticisms of the ESG industry. But now we find ourselves defending the ESG industry against the whack. Yeah. It's, like when you're, it's like when you're traveling, like you say you're on a vacation in Spain, and you're somehow defending America because people are who have just met you are, are, are blaming you for Trump. And you're like, well, actually, you know, it's not so bad where I blah, blah, blah. Like, but even, but even the criticisms of ESG mm -hmm. have expectations. First of all, the criticisms are largely of the ratings and not the, the data. The data has its own problems, but all the data on financial, the, like the financial sector data is messy. Right. Like yeah. when you're talking about audited financial statements, you're not talking about something that like there's so much like assumption that goes into those statements. The auditor thresholds for materiality yeah. all different. Like it's right. black box yeah. interpretation, application, you know, all of that. It's very gray. It's yeah. all gray. And ESG gets held to the standard because it's new data set that it's not perfect enough. Right. The data has its problems. Sure. All the data has its problems. But the ratings they say a thing we just don't necessarily uh, agree with and is incomplete. It, it, it has to lack nuance in order to hit scale. And that's the thing that that's bothers you, Damien, yeah. right? It, like, it's a scale issue, of course. In order to get to a global coverage universe, right. which is what BlackRock wants and Vanguard wants and all the buyers of the data want, you have to give up something. And it's usually nuance because doing nuance actually takes yeah, work. It's like the sales and marketing team came into the nerdy research room, pantsed everybody, <laughs> right? It's like that started happened. like yeah. Th yeah, throwing their lunches at them and be like, "Now we're taking over this now." Like we we we're going to take over the data and the analysis and and because a lot of the decisions cuz we were talking about this before, Matt. There there are, when you're trying to sell something at scale like this, you make these strange like budgetary decisions like, "No, we can't collect all the committee data because we're trying to be lean and mean and make a profit and right there so the data does get messy when you're trying to go to scale so quickly i think but the fact is mm -hmm. esg has different and more data than a lot of traditional finance Thank had as a starting point right like so i i just don't like the the media narrative around esg and its failures presupposes what the marketing team has been selling. And this is the big problem. The marketing right. team says ESG is sustainability and it will change the world. And that's True. not what it ever did. Right. And that's not what it does. And All that's right. the yeah. gap. Let well, me hand off. Yeah. yeah, go ahead, Doug. Well, I mean, it's, again, it comes out the definition and interpretation of this term ESG. What I hate is when you hear or read something that says, ESG is the concept of doing well by doing good. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, that's not what ESG is. You know, for a lot of people, ESG is purely a risk mitigator. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah, there, and there I would say are an effective funds one. that they're trying to like be virtuous and sure. stuff. But that's, that might be one version of ESG. I think it's more well, CSR, but you know, yeah. 
It's a good point, yeah. Doug, because we because really another version of ESG is what Vivek Ramaswamy's Strive Asset Management the does, same thing. which is pervert the data in a different direction and that say is- we're going to target we're going to target companies that 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 promote diversity. But it's the same ESG data they're using to target those, right? They're That's just the grand using irony. it for a different well, race. Yeah, yeah, ESG can yeah. go both ways. Right, and I exactly. Point to you know, the religious funds, mm-hmm. you know, look, they, yeah, there are kind of like the Catholic values funds and stuff like that. That's a version of ESG. Exactly. Too. exactly. Yeah, it's just they are screening out companies that are involved in the abortion industry. Yeah, for their or, values. Yeah. So it's like, hey, that's ESG. Sure. Uh, I don't see why it's just a liberal concept. I love it. I uh, love you don't want to ban, but, but nobody wants to ban those funds. Let me know. Let me segue to you, Matt, because I know you, we want to get out of here before 530, uh, which, is four, <laughs> which is four hours from now. Uh, a few things. Cause let's take this back to the who. Let's take this to the G part of this discussion. So first of all, Elizabeth Warren saying that she, we should claw back all the pay from the executives. Yeah, uh, and, and Shark Tank star Kevin O'Leary is blaming negligent board of directors with idiot management. So that's where we come in. We like to talk about oh, we do like that. And not only that, of, yeah. I'm glad it was Kevin O'Leary who was one of the big investors with SBF and uh, sure. who's talking about yeah. negligent boards and but let's talk about the negligent things. board and the idiot management. All right, let's talk about idiots. Well, not idiots, but problems. Um, all right, here's what I did. I'm going to you can sum up SVB's who problem yeah, really with just a couple of bullet points. Uh, and, and I'm going to make a, a vague attempt. There's a lot more you could say, but let's say this as a starting point. They had no risk experts on a risk committee at all. Seems problematic. Like, mm-hmm. but it seems problematic. They had outsized executive influence on the what board that, itself. What does that mean? Meaning the executives exert certain influence over the board. And we can measure that the executives yeah. had more influence in a place like SVB than you might see in other boards. You see how I'm trying to help boards. you plug board saber metrics? Yeah. So what you're saying, there's no well real oversight if there's if there's outsized executive influence. Uh, were, were there, other than the CEO, was there anyone else, like insider board members? There was one other insider on the board. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, and actually, SVB wasn't the worst of this. Signature Bank Yeah, and had, Silvergate. And Much Silvergate worse. had seventy plus percent of their their board uh, influence was in the executives, right? So that were on the board. In fact, in um, Signature Bank's case, this is Barney Frank's big failing. Um, the risk committee was like three people, two of whom were executives at the bank. That the risk committee was just the, the executives. Okay, which, so clearly, and like. Whatever. And watching the Fox house. Or- yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, it's bananas. Matt, I like. will say this. The pattern that we did discover is that for all three of the failed banks, they had a group of two, three or four long tenured men who c- controlled over 50 percent of the board yes. influence. So essentially a board within a board that controlled the boardroom. Yeah. Yeah. So and this is the this is the value of using something like influence rather than just counting the bodies this, this on is, the I board. think, where the MSCI is, because when you look at MSCI or any of the other interpretations of this board, you do miss this nuance, right? And then specific to SVB, the most of the board was from Stanford, which means you have like a very consolidated yeah. 
groupthink problem, yeah. right? Like yeah. they all come from one place. And a lot of them went, had exposure to the financial crisis. They're kind of a version of failed up bankers. Yeah. Like there was Freddie Mac, there was Arthur Anderson. Like these are people who had been at places that were part of failure before. And once and again, failed their way up. Yeah, making the case that, because the, uh, the four people who controlled that board, three of them went to Stanford, seven out of 12. Uh, and you've already pointed out the lack of diversity. Once again, Matt, this does point to a company that might have benefited actually from more diversity. From diversity. Yeah, from Could've actual diversity. diversity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, now, so that's SVB. That's like your background music to SVB's failure. Now the market though, SVB's gone. The market is worried about other mid-major and some a couple of major banks. Yeah. First Republic is down 65% in the last five days. Zion's down 33, U.S. Bank Corp 18, Truist 28, and Wells Fargo Capital One and B of A are all down too. Um, Citi is down um, pretty substantially. Most of these banks have a thing in common, which is a large uninsured depositor base, right? What yeah. people are worried about is that all of a sudden when people woke up to something that's been the case for 10 years, which is you're only insured up to $250,000. Now all of a sudden everybody in, the, this is why I'm called, we called it uh, the other day, a one percenter bank run. Because if you have more than $250,000 in cash in a bank account, you're a corporation or you're incredibly wealthy, right? Like yeah. that's, that's it. And now you're freaked out that the rest of your deposits may not be insured past $250,000. And now you're calling each other and saying, Oh, are the banks, do they have, you know, duration mismatches between their assets and liabilities? Like what's happening? Are we capitalized enough? Now everyone's kind of freaking out about that. So they're hammering the banks, the stock market. Right. The question is, should they be worried? So I actually think you can predict a one percenter bank run. In our data, we have 168 publicly traded U.S. banks. Um, and that includes the big diversified and the regional and mm -hmm. uh, banks. This is U.S. Them, U.S. banks. U.S. We're only looking at the U.S. right now. Of them, there are 2,000, just, just under 2,100 active directors. Okay. All of them have risk committees for the most part or some risk function at the board level. I hope so. Yeah. That, that is standard practice in the United States. We have data on 128 separated out risk committees. So already there's a, there's a cohort here where risk is like deferred to a parent company or risk is folded into a governance committee. Already I'm nervous about those, but I'm going to ignore those for right now because if you are banking at a bank that has no risk committee or some dual function committee that includes risk, you should already be asking yourself, okay, who is minding this station? Um, that's, a, that's problematic. But let's focus on the ones where we have risk committees. Those risk committees have 700 or so directors that, if you think about it this way, there are about 700 people in the United States who oversee the entire banking sector of the United States risk, right? 700 people, people entrusted people. with measuring the risk of the mm -hmm. U.S. banking system. Hmm. Question is, who are they? Right. Okay. Let's talk about some of them. Okay. Talk about 82 Dave. of these banks mm -hmm. have added one risk expert or more to their board, meaning fully half of the United States banks do not have a risk expert on their board. When I say risk expert, hmm. 
What I mean is somebody who was an academic in risk, who had had a risk function, a chief risk officer at a financial institution, who worked at an insurance company in a risk capacity, someone whose job it was to measure financial or non-financial risk that's specifically laid out as, as their title. This is an MSCI ESG tagged item, okay? Half of U.S. banks do not have at least one risk expert on the board. Jeez. That feels problematic to me right yeah. off the bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, presumably the Fed, I mean, the Fed does monitor this kind of stuff. Um, at this, and, and the, so, this level of nuance, does it? Uh, well, it definitely, I, it has definitely has corporate governance prescriptions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a risk committee is part of that. Um, but, you know, uh, but to play, you know, devil's advocate in this, true sense of the word here (laughs) you know people are going to say well okay it's because you know the woke left forced them to put an esg expert on or a climate (laughs) expert or they were too busy putting women on my and minorities on the board now is that true i don't know but that's going to be part of the narrative all right well the demographics of these banks are largely white men right like the larger you get the more diverse they tend to get. So when you get to like the Bank of America Citigroup size, they tend to be more diverse. But we're talking about 168 banks, and there's maybe five that are so large as to have diversity as a much more core issue for them on the board. And those are places where they're getting the cream. They pick whoever the fuck they want out of the talent pool because they're that large because they can yeah the vast majority of these banks including when we look at like the silicon valley banks more than 90 percent of the influence of the board is white male influence there's not there's not like much debate about who's controlling the boards so the diversity argument you might count a few women on the board and say look it's because there's women on it or look there's a black guy on that board now and that replaced a chief risk officer yeah, and that guy and that by definition means he's not qualified that, right, yeah right. because he's yeah. black he's not qualified if you if you that, fall for that argument yeah that's entirely yeah. bullshit there's right. more yeah. than enough board seats to have a, a risk expert on Delusional. your board and there's more than enough risk experts who are non-white or have vaginas or whatever you want, like whatever your disqualifying DEI thing is. Yeah. There's more than enough. And yet only 37 banks in the United States put their risk expert on the risk committee of the board. Hmm. That means half of the banks that have a risk expert actually use that risk expert in the risk committee capacity. Yeah. Well, you're just selling my point, Matt, is that I think that the ESG ratings companies do need to look at companies like this in a different way, right? There's a different way to articulate the G at banks, no? Isn't that what the point you're making? Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, it's kind of like, like you said, you, you've got to kind of look at each thing by industry. Exactly. What applies to the industry and part of the problem with these ratings is the kind of one size fits all you know like you said scale it's it's hard you know SASB tried to break things down into like 79 different industries like Mm -hmm. okay yeah that's the right approach it's not going to be perfect but at least they're trying yeah 
you know, the rating agencies, I, you know, I don't know to what extent they break it down that, that far. Not that far. They don't. Yeah. They, they compare SVB financial to, you know, all birds shoe company, you know, I mean, they, they actually, they don't do anything with industry. Well, I, I guess like what S and P reason they kicked Tesla out partially was because they were bad relative to their industry peers. They right. do some of it, right? But they also For had them, an extraordinary was labor. Yeah, I was gonna say they have an extraordinary amount of controversies at, at uh, Tesla. And yeah. they got kicked out for the swastikas on the wall in the bathroom right, stalls. And the nooses really in the yeah. in the warehouses. <laughs> that that did the that helped yeah. do them in. And Kimball Musk on the board helped and do the them anti union yeah, CEO. Yeah, right. Yeah. They they had a lot going against them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So let's talk about like some patterns, right? Okay. There's one pattern here that's the token risk committee. Because sure. we are establishing that all these banks have some sort of risk function at the board level. But seven of the companies that I'm talking about had risk committees where the members of the risk committees that were not executives had less than 10% of the board influence. Well, yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned this too, because this is another, this is what I always complain about is that there, I think that actually, you know, ESG 1.0, the, the, the data set I think is interesting. It's good, you know, congratulations. But this belies the need for ESG 2.0, right? Like, why aren't we, shouldn't we be at the point now where we're analyzing the committee structures, analyzing who sits on these committees, I mean, what are they the up question. to, what are it's their the skill who. sets, right? Yeah, but it's they don't. The but, but they don't do that, right? We haven't gotten to that stage in our industry yet. So if you have a risk committee where the vast majority of the board outweighs your influence, like the decisions get made somewhere else, then is that risk committee really functioning right. as a well a useful yeah. unit? What you'll often find is that you'll find that some of the new board appointees who don't make the the quote unquote more important committees get they just get kind of dispersed to all the other committees, and and those tend to be the people who have, according to our data, very little influence. Right? They're maybe yeah. they're token appointees or whatever I mean, they that are. That just seems strange. That just yeah. seems like such a strange disconnect mm-hmm. because it's so logical. If you have a risk expert, aren't you going to put them on the risk? Right. That's, probably why, that's probably why you chose them. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I, so I don't get it for those companies. But I mean, these risk committees, they tend to be, you know, every financial institution deal that I've worked on, you know, these, these risk committees, they meet a lot. And they're always looking at like loan loss reserves and liquidity and, you know, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, all the reserves and kind of uh, capitalization. And so, you know, part of me thinks that, you know, you guys look at sabermetrics and stuff like that. I look at other things that I think people don't know about. You know, part of me wonders, well, Okay, there's the committee. They meet. They might even ex- have experts on them. But what is management presenting them with? Right. Like oh, on yeah. SVB, Good question. Like, okay, these guys met a lot. But it's another kind of what did they know and when did they know it? Mm-hmm. So maybe management didn't even make them aware sure. of what was going on in this kind of implosion. Um, and the, the bad business decisions they were making in terms of these, these mismatches. So 
I think you know that's where the investigation has to go. Yeah, and they have to look at the minutes and all this stuff and say, okay, what did these guys actually talk about? Right. And what information did management provide them with? Because well, signature those are only as good. Yeah. Signature is a great example of what you're talking about because their risk committee met four times last year, mm-hmm. and two of the members were executives of like a, a three person risk committee. So you're when you actually dig in to the things you're talking about, which is like how it actually runs. So if we've got data on who's got the power, decision-making power, and you combine that with stuff like, did they meet? What did they say? What did they get shown? You start to see a real picture of humans ignoring problems or looking at problems like concretely or whatever the case may actually be. It's true, but to be fair, unlike the audit committee say, which by regulation has to have three independent members and nobody connected to the company, that's not the same of the risk committee. It it isn't the same. Right. Right. It's not the same. Yeah. I I don't know if Fed rules have something on that, but you know, if Signature Bank's risk committee only met four times, et cetera, then I really, you know, I think there's got to be a lot of pressure on Barney Frank. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, come on, man, you are Mr. Like, let's get hard on the banks or let's come down hard. He was, on the he was, um, he was, yeah. Was, but still, I mean, he, yeah. it's in his nature. Sure. And so it's like his political nature. Is, he's saying, hey, guys, why, why isn't the risk committee meeting more? Like, what yeah. are we doing here? Don't forget, he was representing uh, Western Mass, a, a liberal like bastion in, uh, there in Massachusetts. He was representing his constituents at the time. I, you know, that was maybe there's a lot of political maneuvering and maybe when yeah, he left that sphere, he changed, well, you know, well, speaking of political maneuvering, you know, I tell directors, look, if you're going to go on a board, you better know what you're getting yourself into. And if you're going to make decisions, you better be ready to defend them in a Senate subcommittee hearing where <laughs> right. Elizabeth yeah. Warren is tearing you a new one. Because right, right. That, you know, that is a scenario that you could be faced with. I want to see, does that committee subcommittee bring barney frank in or elizabeth warren mm, interesting oh yeah. i'm not right now if if there were some intellectual honesty going on she would take him to task so i want to see if elizabeth warren is able to get barney frank in there and just destroy him i love that um here's the, all right here's the rest of the short list of like tokenism okay. like red flags and they include token risk experts where the mm-hmm. actual risk there are 18 companies where risk experts on the board have less than 5% influence on the right. board they're totally fucking pointless like you have them to say you have a risk expert but no one cares or listens to is that to your them. way of telling uh, people to buy our data is that what you're trying to say well that's uh, you have to to get all this so yes. yeah buy our data um, the uh, Outsized executive influence. If you have a board where more than 50% of the influence, where it's effectively sort of a fake public company, not by structure, not by like dual class shares. This isn't a Zuckerberg, but you've stacked the board with enough executives that they make all the decisions on the board itself. Then you're really just investing exclusively in executives and no independent oversight. There is an oversight of the executive. Yeah. And that kind of goes to my point in terms of, the yeah, if it's dominated by management, they're only gonna they're they're gonna be able to present the whatever data, they want. Exactly. information in the way that's favorable to them and sure. and you know hide other things or tell them hey it's it's okay we got this you mm-hmm. know we can manage this. I love but, the idea that in Signature Bank, 
the two executives who sat on the risk committee were voting on what to do at the risk committee after presenting as management to the risk committee, right? Like they basically presented to themselves and then voted yes. Like uh, that's great. The, the last thing I want to point out is there is actually one company. This is upside. This is good news. There's one company that has a risk committee that's run by the risk experts of all the banks. There is yeah. one. Citizens Financial, One. 66% of the committee influence is held by risk experts, and they aren't executives. So congrats to Citizens Financial. On my broker Financial. right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> congrats to them. This is just bizarre. Um, so if you were going to find the next one percenter bank run, you sure. would look for a large proportion of uninsured deposits. You would look for no risk experts, even though they have a risk committee, Right. And it turns out that shortlist includes Signature Bank, who's dead, SVB, who's dead, mm-hmm. First Republic, who's the one getting hammered right now in the market. They're down more than 60%. They have a tremendous amount of exec- executive influence, and they have a risk committee where um, even less of the influence is um, is independent. Like, it's basically, they're basically, if you took Signature Bank, and you made them bigger and did remove the crypto. That's First Republic. Um, so there's problems there. Well, what about, did, I mean, did you look at Schwab? Because Schwab's another bank that's really under pressure right now. But they are kind of like, that's big, well-known, you know, I would imagine well-capitalized. And I'm, I'm like, why are they getting hammered? Here's the and funny does, part. Does their board have fundamental flaws? Their their Schwab is not even considered a bank. They're considered like a custodian and an asset manager, like a broker dealer, a broker dealer. So they're not even subject to some of their banking division is subject to the bank regulation. But the majority of their revenue comes from someplace else, in which case they're getting hammered for reasons that are like uh, uh, nerves and the uninsured deposits in a portion of what they do rather than and the money market funds. Um, rather than the majority of their business, which is broker dealer. But I will say there is a there is a real governance risk at a place like Schwab because it is the influence there is controlled by one man. Yeah, it's controlled by the Schwab yeah, on right. the by Schwab, Schwab board. Schwab. Exactly, <laughs> Schwab. Yeah, him and his daughter. It's a, is she? Yeah, I think she's on yeah. there too. Um, and that leaves us with M and T and Fifth Third Bank, both of which everyone's freaked out about. Um, but if we were to actually there. I could keep going into a list of smaller banks where they have a risk committee and a risk expert who's not on the risk committee and the executives own the influence. But the fact is, I think it's it's not even worth going into. Suffice it to say that the one percenters bank run, you're seeing it play out in the market right now. They're getting hammered the most, arguably, out of the bank's stocks. But there are a bunch of smaller banks that no one's really looking at, that no one cares about, who have pure token risk, like deep executive influence. And there is, you should be asking questions. If you wanted like a who should I trust, like Mm -hmm. shortlist and to ask questions about, it would be, there are other banks. They're not the ones who are getting hammered. So, So here's where, okay, yeah, ESG, is something you pay attention to because it's the G here. It's yeah, sure, sure. The G. Yes. And maybe if yeah. the analysts who said they've kind of got you covered, you know, if they looked at what you just rattled off, Matt, 
it's pretty obvious, you know, yeah, why shouldn't the analysts should be like, oh, let's look at the risk committee. Let's right. look who's on them. And obviously they didn't. Well, that so. in that case, you know, you do have to agree with the Bloomberg article that if you are relying solely on ratings and, and solely on a surface level articulation of the of the governance at a particular company, then you're not doing your due diligence because what, what Matt pulled together he pulled together in a couple of days, right? I mean, this is the kind of thing- I pulled together thing, this morning. Right, this is the kind of thing that you can absolutely be spending time on, right? I mean, there are obvious next steps, right? You yeah. want to look deeply at who's on the risk committee and whether or not, you, like, you should be asking, you want to engage with them and ask questions about it. You want to ask your regulator, is this okay, right? Like, should it be the condition that there is not a risk expert on a risk committee or when there is that they're outnumbered by executives or that executives take up so much presence of the board. Like you want to ask or, some follow-up questions. Be, should it be treated like the big three committees where they all have to be independent? Yes. Right. Of course. Exactly. Of course. For, for where, banks. You know, yeah. For banks. Yeah. Audit, you know, audit kind of certified risk expert or, you know, designated risk expert, that, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. All, all good questions. And it doesn't take that long to do when you look for yeah. it. That's the amazing part to me. Well, maybe they that, don't know what like, they're looking for until they listen to this episode, Matt. Maybe that's until, the <laughs> if they If they got to the 57-minute mark, congratulations to you. Really well hey, done. Is this, is this the Oscar music where they're pulling yeah, us they're off? Playing, yeah, <laughs> they're, they're playing, playing us off. off. Yeah, they're playing us enough. off. We said enough. Doug, any last thoughts before I, I round us out and get us out of here? Now, my last thoughts would take us in, into the next episode. So. <laughs> well, we'll have you back. We're okay. going to have you back anyway. That's Doug Shaw. I am Matt Muscardi. That's Damian Rollis. We are Free Float and Soundboard Governance. Go check them out. And a shout out to our sponsor, S-Gage, for giving us some of the data that backstops the things that we build here at Free Float. If you want Port Sabermetrics, come and get it. If you want Soundboard Governance and their advice... You got to call Doug. Doug from Jersey is your man because you can't get that here at Free Float. Until next time, where tomorrow we're going to dissect Larry Fink's ESG letter in oh, game God. show form. Let's do it. Come on. Let's get back to it. Come check that out. Otherwise, we'll see you next time. Until then, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>